0: Warning, this episode contains content that may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. Occasionally, bank robbers will do extraordinary things to get cash or valuables, but there have been heists throughout history that are simply unbelievable. (sighs) In 1995, Stefan Brightvisa wandered into a poorly guarded museum, removed a painting from its frame and walked away undetected. With his girlfriend as the lookout and occasional distraction, this theft was the first of many. Over seven years, Stefan stole more than 200 pieces from galleries, museums and even churches across Europe. The most valuable piece he lifted was a painting by artist Lucas Cranach the Elder, titled Seville, Princess of Cleves, estimated to cost nearly $6 million. He displayed most of the stolen paintings around his home, giving others to his mother. The heist came to an end when he was arrested for his second attempt to steal a 16th century hunting bugle worth over $57,000. When police searched Stefan's mother's home, they found that she destroyed most of the priceless works of art, claiming she did it out of anger towards her son. She had put pieces in the trash, shredded paintings to ribbons, and threw pottery, jewels, figurines, and a 17th century crossbow into the canal. Stefan said that the creator or value wasn't as important to him as the beauty of the work itself, and now the former criminal has turned published author, admiring art from afar. Joshua Tell Warner was a rookie on The Wizard, a fishing boat featured on the popular show Deadliest Catch. After only a few weeks, Joshua realized he'd made a colossal mistake and he quit. Two years before becoming a greenhorn on The Wizard, Warner robbed a Washington Mutual in Eugene, Oregon and got away with it. Shortly after retiring from stardom, he robbed another bank, the Pacific Continental, on two separate occasions in 2009. However, after appearing on national television, calls started coming in. People recognized Warner. Detective Jeff Donica did some brief sleuthing and came across security footage of Warner in action, confirming his identity and his crimes. Warner was arrested in Illinois, where he was sentenced to nine years in prison. When all was said and done, Joshua Tell Warner had stolen around $12,000 total. George Leonidas Leslie was one of the greatest bank robbers New York City had ever seen, but his talent ultimately caused his downfall. Western George, as he was known, was a highly skilled bank robber, utilizing various tactics and meticulous planning, only going forward if everything was exactly right. Once he set his sights on an institution, George either became an official patron or got his accomplices hired there in order to scope the place out and learn its setup and security routine. He also practiced on his collection of vaults for days until he mastered the break-in without a combination. Using his architectural background, he constructed replica rooms of the robbery sites to practice his plans. On the side, Western George lent his expertise to other criminals for a hefty penny. But whether it was this or the possible affair he had with one of his groupmates' wives, bad blood brewed between them. One night, just before they executed a fully planned, monumental heist, George was shot and killed. George Leonidas Leslie's group completed the heist without its leader walking away with $3 million, and to this day... His murder remains officially unsolved. Early in the morning on March 18, 1990, two Boston policemen approached the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum stating they were investigating a disturbance. After stepping away from the only alarm button, the security guards discovered the men weren't who they said they were. The thieves cuffed the security guards and put them in the basement while they went about their business. Taking only one painting from the first floor and the rest from the second, the fake cops stole 13 works of art, including famed Rembrandt painting, The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. As fast as they showed up, they vanished, artwork in tow. There are many theories as to who was behind the faux badges and where the paintings and artifacts ended up. Some suspects include a mobster, a Hollywood screenwriter, and even one of the security guards themselves. The museum's motion sensors recorded the footsteps of the security guard, which showed he was the only one to set foot in the first floor room where the painting was taken, although he maintains to this day that he had nothing to do with the heist. In 1997, Alan Pace was fired from his job as safety officer for Dunbar Armored Company after he was caught tampering with the company vehicles. The next day, he and five friends robbed the armored truck depot. While an employee for Dunbar, Pace decided that all the cash was just too enticing to let slip away. He took notes on security guards' shift changes and lunch breaks, photographed the building, and timed the security cameras. Then he supplied his accomplices with a floor plan and how to get into the vault. The men set up a party as an alibi and slipped out unnoticed to complete the heist. After subduing the officers, they grabbed as many bags as they could and filled the U-Haul they'd rented the day before. After the robbery, the men slipped back into the party and started planning how to liquidate the cash as fast as possible. They purchased properties and cars, laundered over $100,000, and gambled away the money. A taillight from the rented U-Haul was found at the scene of the crime, leading to their arrest a few years later. The leader of the thieves was sentenced to 24 years in prison, while his right-hand man received 17 and a half years, and all the others received between 8 and 9. In total, the five men stole $18.9 million with 10 million still being unaccounted for. 46 years ago, four men devised a master plan to rob Lloyds Bank in London. They rented a leather shop two doors down and got to work. They planned to dig a tunnel from the basement of the leather shop called Lasac to the vault in Lloyds Bank. Eventually, they accomplished their goal using dynamite to blast their way into the vault. Around $19 million in cash million in today's money and valuables from over 260 safe deposit boxes were stolen that night. But the thieves had made incriminating mistakes. They used walkie-talkies to communicate with each other about the tunnel's progress and entrance to the vault. Robert Rowland overheard them the night of the robbery while switching between channels on his ham radio. He contacted police who found an empty vault and a snide message that said, Let's see how Sherlock Holmes solves this one. Authorities eventually captured the men after realizing one of the criminals used his real name to rent out the leather shop. There are several conspiracies surrounding the purpose of this heist. Some think it was a cover to retrieve suggestive pictures of British royalty. This, and many other theories, remain unproven to this day. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Typically, thieves require a quick getaway. And most of the time, that means having a car ready and waiting. But in 2009, Stockholm, Sweden witnessed a -a one-of-a-kind robbery when the thieves escaped in a helicopter. The men stole a Bell 206 Jet Ranger the day before and used it to get in and out of the cash depot. Once the helicopter landed on the roof, they smashed the building's windows in with sledgehammers, blowing the doors open with explosives. Armed with submachine guns, they loaded several bags of cash into the helicopter and took off, eventually ditching it in a lake. Police couldn't use their helicopters to pursue the thieves as they had placed bombs around the base, successfully thwarting the officials. To further impede authorities, they had even placed caltrops on the roads around the cash depot. There have been no reports stating exactly how much money was stolen from the cash depot, but it is estimated to be in the tens of millions. Near the end of 2010, seven men were arrested and sentenced to prison for their involvement. The day before the US was to bomb Iraq, Saddam Hussein made many preparations, including sending his son to rob the central bank of Iraq. Hussein Hussein produced a handwritten note from his father demanding $1 billion be handed over to him and his accomplices. The nearly $900 million in American money was so hefty that it required two hours to load it and three trucks to transport it. Some time later, while US troops searched for Saddam, they recovered approximately $650 million of the stolen money from one of his palaces. The remaining $350 million has yet to be found. It is rumored the money was stolen to finance the disappearance of the remaining members of Hussein's government to salvage what authority he could once the US moved out. But in December of 2006, Saddam Hussein was hanged by the Iraqi Special Tribunal for his crimes against humanity. Saddam Hussein's son, Qusay Hussein, died while in a firefight with US troops. Over the centuries, thieves have found numerous ways of garnering cold hard cash and bank robberies are among the most popular. However, this theft was a little more unorthodox than the rest. Early October of 2013, a technical support agent received a message in a chat window from someone claiming to be the CEO and founder of the Canadian company Granite Networks. Within two hours, without verifying their identification, the technician rebooted the entire system. While it was down, the thief sped past all the software security checkpoints and gained access from the inside. From there, the thief transferred about $100,000 from the company to him or herself. Physically walking into the company's building requires a keycard to access the main door, a retina scan, and a numeric code needed to enter the server pen. However, this con artist bypassed all security by simply cyber-chatting with an employee. It is believed that the theft was an inside job as they exploited a known weakness, and the real CEO, James Grant, has assured all customers that their funds are safe and the loss was covered out of the company's own wallet. Leonardo Notar Bartolo and his friends, the Monster, the Genius, and the King of Keys, proceeded to the Antwerp World Diamond Center. After years of planning, they were ready to take on the most secure vault they'd ever come across in their careers as thieves. The vault was armed to the teeth with multiple layers of security, including a combination dial that had 100 million possible combinations, a specific foot-long key, seismic activity, light, heat, and motion sensors, a locked steel grate, a magnetic sensor, and several cameras. However, they prepared for these obstacles, and each one of the men specialized in taking them down. Using hairspray and styrofoam to neutralize the motion and heat sensors, taping over the light sensors, a homemade aluminum magnet, garbage bags for the security cameras, and some very precise drilling, the men left the vault with what authorities believed was 100 million dollars in diamonds and currency. After the heist, Leonardo's friend had a panic attack and tossed the garbage bag full of evidence onto the property of a man who regularly patrolled it for litter. Leonardo forced his friend back in the car and they drove away, assuming no one would ever stumble upon the incriminating materials. The police pinned the robbery on Leonardo after confirming the evidence belonged to him and his comrades. He was sentenced to ten years in prison and has kept his lips sealed on the exact location of the diamonds. A successful criminal lifestyle requires boldness, confidence, an array of skills, and most importantly, quick wit. For the criminals who lack these qualities, the downfall of their illegal plans are often no one's fault but their own. commonly believe that there's strength in numbers. The more people involved, the easier it may be to overwhelm a household, but it also becomes easier for something to go wrong. Five individuals attempted to rob a house in Alamogordo, New Mexico on February 2nd of 2017, using a two-step strategy. First, 27-year-old Crystal Silva would approach the door and distract the homeowner. Then her friends would storm the house. However, things didn't go as planned. Crystal successfully caught the attention of a man inside the house, telling him her car broke down and asking to use a phone. Once they saw an opening, Dominic Roberts, Dustin Williams, and Ross Sanders stormed the door with firearms. The homeowner caught on quickly and slammed the door in their faces, blocking it. After attempting to force their way inside, the frustrated crew scattered, despite outmanning and outgunning the lone homeowner. As of February 7, 2017, four of the five individuals caught on camera have been successfully arrested, with Jason and J.D. age 35, still on the run. ATMs are built to withstand blunt or ballistic force, but four criminals found out the hard way just how resilient ATMs are. On March 31, 2017, four individuals stole a tow truck in order to rob an ATM in the southeast corner of France. The criminals believed repeatedly ramming the truck into the ATM would force it open, allowing them to take off with all of the cash inside. A local resident filmed the incident after waking up to the loud sounds of the tow truck smashing into the building. This heist took a turn for the worst when the tow truck lodged into the machine and refused to budge from the wall, meaning the thieves had no way to steal the money inside. Desperate, the criminals set the truck on fire, peeling away into their two companion cars. Police conducted an investigation, but as of the Friday after the incident, none of the thieves were apprehended. The video posted to YouTube amassed hundreds of thousands of views, ensuring that the embarrassing failure will live on in internet infamy. The lengths some people will go to to preserve a lie can be frightening and even dangerous. Russian medical student Yekaterina M fabricated a pregnancy to her parents, and in order to keep up the deception, she faked a miscarriage at a hospital in Belgorod, Russia, and then did the unthinkable. On March 10, 2016, security cameras caught Yekaterina crossing in front of the camera carrying a green bag. She then unhooked a premature baby from its feeding tube, passed in front of the camera again, and walked out of the hospital with the child. Yekaterina was well prepared. She'd previously purchased baby clothes and a stroller and even posted a photo to Facebook of the baby with the caption, Everything will be cool. Her parents were suspicious and reported their daughter shortly afterwards. Some reports claimed Yekaterina kidnapped the child in order to compensate for the death of one of her own, but this has been proven false as she had never given birth. Luckily, security cameras were there to capture her every move. The last reports indicated Yekaterina would undergo an evaluation to decide if she is mentally fit to stand trial, as she is being charged with kidnapping. They say what goes around comes around, and Karma made no exception for David Dempsey. On Friday, January 9, 2015, David Dempsey and three other accomplices, Bradley Parrish, Autumn Cooper, and Brianna Dudley, decided to rob a quality inn in Aiken, South Carolina, after several previous thefts. While the accomplices waited in their car, David walked into the hotel around 10.30 p.m., demanding money from the innkeeper, Pat Coates. Pat handed over $300 to David as he frantically waved the gun around. But things didn't go according to plan. In a clip aired by Fox News Insider, David's gun goes off, striking him in the leg. Screaming in pain, David leaves the pack and gun behind, limping out of the lobby. Minutes later, David flagged down a police officer for aid in treating his gunshot wound, but law enforcement quickly put two and two together and locked David and his accomplices behind bars after treating his injury. In the age of social media, people eagerly share their personal adventures for friends to see, but there's a time and a place for everything, as one perpetrator learned after posting an incriminating video to Instagram. On May 4th, 2015, Dominic Antonio Alfonseca walked into the town bank in the city of Virginia Beach and handed the bank teller a note while filming an Instagram video. The note read, I need $150,000 right now, please. Police take three to four minutes to get here. I would appreciate if you ring the alarm a minute after I am gone. Make sure the money doesn't blow up on my way out. And then he added a smiley face. Half an hour later, police apprehended Dominic, who claimed he did not steal the money because he asked for it politely, and the bank teller gave it to him. He told USA Today, "'I felt like I got robbed, "'cause they gave me the money. "'Then the police robbed my brain.'" He told 13 News Now, "'I don't know what it is, "'if there's chips or whatever "'that they're putting in people's brains, "'but people know, like, "'before I do something, what I'm thinking.'" or they would post it on Instagram. It appears that in this man's mind, he will always be the victim, seeking attention through social media. Luckily, Virginia Beach police officers didn't take his politeness into account and charged him with robbery. sure to follow the Seriously Strange Podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange Podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange Podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way, because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.